0: How do you know if your sleep challenges are most serious sleep disorders? This episode will help you navigate where and how to diagnose a serious sleep condition. In today's episode, we answer three key questions. What are seven different sleep disorder categories in sleep medicine? How are different sleep disorders diagnosed? What are therapies to treat different sleep disorders? Pankaj Arora's interest in sleep medicine aroused when he joined as country manager in Somnomedics GmbH, a German organization in the field of sleep technology. Today he is certified in clinical sleep health. He also possesses RPSGT certificate, gold standard in the field of sleep technology. He has earned a pediatric sleep badge. He is the co-author of the well-acclaimed book, RPSGT Pearls. He is a faculty member in Indian Society of Sleep Research. Let's get started. (laughs) Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author in New Guinea and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Pankaj Arora, welcome back to the Sleep Whisperer podcast and I know I loved the previous conversation with you where we went into sleep diagnostics, it was a popular episode as well. And today I would like for us to talk about sleep medicine investigation and therapeutics and we'll talk about how sleep medicine classifies different sleep challenges and we look into appropriate ways to know how we have any of those and then of course what would a a very skilled sleep practitioner do in terms of therapeutics for each of these areas. So I'm looking forward to our conversation and welcome back Pankaj first of all and um, let's talk about how would how would we categorize what does sleep medicine categorize different challenges in sleep
1: Hi, Deepa. Thank you very much for inviting you again. First of all, uh, it was a pleasure last time also to have a podcast with you. And uh, this is again my pleasure again to have a chat with you. Uh, coming to your question now, you have asked for how do you categorize? So if you look at uh, the ICSD-3, it's International Classification of Sleep Disorders. They have classified sleep disorder into seven different categories. For, for example, just uh, in a layman language, one is insomnia. Then secondary rhythm disorders, uh, sleep-related breathing disorders, uh, parasomnias, movement disorders, hypersomnolence, and other sleep disorders, sleep-related disorders like for, uh, because of some medical issues. So each disorder has some role to play in uh, person's life. And uh, so just to explain, for example, insomnia is basically when you are not sleeping, uh, when you are not able to sleep or uh, or in the midnight you wake up and unable to sleep so that is called as uh, sleep maintenance insomnia or uh, sleep onset insomnia so this is one secondary the secondary the disorders so like for example if you see the uh, people uh young people they are generally sleeping late at night and getting uh, so it's a kind of delayed phase syndrome and if you go to the older patients they will sleep early and then get up also early so it's basically uh, early wake rhythm so so but these are general but sometimes obviously the, some patients will have delayed phase syndromes though they are not at teenagers so we need to look at these things uh, uh, sleep eating breathing disorders because of uh, some obstructions happening so these are kind of sleep related disorders parasomnias are basically when you do sleep walking sleep talking so these are categorized under parasomnias uh is basically when you sleep uh, more than desired generally we sleep at eight to ten eight to nine hours that's maximum a person even being asleep but when you're sleeping a lot in the night also and during the day also you are feeling sleepiness and, and sleepy so that is called as hypersondolence so another is movement i told you movement disorders for example you get a lot of leg movements during the night that is categorized under uh, movement disorders and also rhythmic movement disorders where you have a lot of for example you're moving your you know, leg whole night uh, your uh, neck whole night or head whole night. so these are categorized under uh, again rhythmic movement disorders or could be other disorders because of neurological issues or some uh, uh, accident which has happened and this is these uh, disorders are happening because of this but if you come back so each disorder have some obviously uh, need to know uh, how to diagnose th- these different disorders. So we need to look into this. That's very important.
0: So yes, I think we, you listed it out really well. And uh, uh, I just want to ask before we go into what, how do we diagnose these aspects? Could somebody have a combination of different types? So maybe they are having uh, movement disorder, uh, is it is it black and white or is there ways that we could have a little bit of some?
1: Very good question, actually, Deepa. Yes, it can be a mix and match. Obviously, you can have two different diseases together. For example, if a one if a person can have obstructive sleep apnea, just an example, and he could have a, a PLMD also, periodic limb movement disorders. So it it can be a combination. Second, this person can have an obstructive sleep apnea. Plus he can have a uh, hypersomnolence also. Yeah, though, obviously because of obstructive sleep apnea, there will be kind of excessive sleepiness during the day. But it can also happen that this patient have obstructive sleep apnea plus hypersomnolence plus narcolepsy also. So two, two diseases can also intermingle. So that can happen, obviously. But then you need to rule out actually Uh, clearly with diagnostics, which disease we need to look into? It's only one disease or multiple diseases which is uh, creating a trouble into the patient's life.
0: So let's go into how do we diagnose these different types. And I'd really love for you to, because when you're talking about that, I would love for you to also talk about where somebody has to go for these appropriate diagnosis.
1: Okay. Yes, uh, so first question that uh, how to diagnose different uh, disorders is, of, and as I told you, for example, you just I'm just giving you again a basics. So, for example, if a patient has an insomnia, so uh, he is not able to sleep, uh, but he doesn't have an obstructive sleep apnea, he does, he is only having insomnia, uh, and he goes to psychiatrist, psychiatrist looks into it. Uh, uh, he gives him some questionnaires so it's a kind of a subjective thing or a sleep diary but then how we do how should we measure it objectively that's important also so then what this uh, psychiatrist or a sleep medicine specialist will give him a actigraphy actigraphy is a kind of a watch which works on accelerometer principle and it is uh you know it is worn on a non-dominating hand for at least seven days and then go up to 14 to 21 days also to see how the patient is behaving uh, in those seven days or 14 days or whatever, 21 days. Because what will happen, for example, when I'm talking to you Deepa, my both hands are moving. Uh, So it means I'm I'm awake, I'm alert during the day. But when I'm sleeping during the night, especially my non-dominating hand will not move, though my dominating hand can move. So in that particular patients, if they are insomniac, the uh, they will be feeling lethargic they will be lying down uh, sleeping so their hand will not move so this doctor will actually look into uh, his his this sleep wake activity for uh, 7 days or 14 days and then he will come to know actually this patient is because he will not have, uh, he will not fill this sleep diary at all nobody will fill for example if you tell me i will not fill this sleep diary that when i when i got up when i slept but this actigraphy will give you a good 99% ac- the good estimation of a sleep-wake activity and then doctor will come to know that this is what needs to be done according, what medication needs to be given. So this is one.
0: And Pankaj, uh, uh, just to clarify, this is a specific device and not just a smartwatch. Am I right?
1: Yes, yes. No, no, this is not a smartwatch. This is Actigraphy. It is basically measuring activity of a patient and it is measuring for a long time, not... Because for a night, it might happen that this patient is uh, not moving. his end. But why we are putting for long? Because we are looking for a long-term uh, activities of a patient during the day and during the night both. So this will be long, one for 14 days, at 7 to 14 days at least. So one. And second, coming to, for example, you asked. So this will also be useful for circadian rhythm disorders because uh, you need to look at when the patient has slept whether he has slept at 2 a.m. or 11 a.m. and then when what the time he got up uh, and, and it is also useful for shift work disorders because some people are sleeping at night during the uh, during the day or they are sleeping during night they are working so they have some kind of shift work disorders so this actigraphy will also help for this secondary disorders and shift work disorders. Uh,
0: And one more question, Pankaj, before we go on to the next version of this is that you mentioned non-dominant and I'd like you to just talk a little bit about that because that's the first time I've heard about this. So could you just talk a little bit clarifying why, what is the science of
1: that? So, dominating hand and non-dominating hand is a very simple layman language. Deepa, for example, when I, uh, you know when we when I was born, I am right-handed. For example, I write with the right hand, I play with the right hand. So this this is more dominating, and this has more power as compared to my left hand. So, for example, if some people are left left-handed, they play cricket from left hand or are there, so their left hand will be dominating more. So that's what it is. Non-dominating is where you use that less. Right. So, what does
0: that tell us? I mean, I, what I'm asking you is that uh, why is this used on such an arm and what's the science and the link to understanding sleep through using this device on the that particular arm?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Because once, for example, I'm sleeping, my still uh, dominating hand, for example, my right hand still will move. However, my non-dominating hand means my left hand will not move also because it has this power also, you know. So that is what it is. That's why they put it in non-dominating hand. Understood. So uh, now, for example, I told you about insomnia and now what other disorders, for example, if you are uh, having a sleep-related breathing disorders, so that means the person is choking during the night, he has obstructive sleep apnea and he's getting woken up many number of times. Uh, during the night uh, so just to explain you brief again uh, obstructive sleep apnea is a case where you uh, have obstructions uh, in upper airway so where your air or oxygen ingestion in layman language where your air or oxygen is not going into the lungs during the uh, night because of choking in the upper airway uh, and it could be because of central apnea it is one is, this is obstruction happening in op- upper airway but it could be because of central apnea because your neuron neural uh, brain is not giving signals to the body that you should breathe so it is two ways one is obstructive sleep apnea one is central sleep apnea both are important and if, and what doctors or what asm says american Association of sleep medicine says that if you have this kind of obstruction more than 5 per hour more than five per hour, then it is a case of if obstructive sleep apnea, if you have a daytime symptoms also. If it is if there is no daytime symptoms, that it is still okay. If it can be more than five, but it is if it is between five to fifteen, then there is no daytime symptoms, it's still okay. But if it is more than 15 and if there is still no symptoms during the day, still you have an obstructive sleep apnea, and you need to be patient needs to be treated. So that's a kind uh, for this diagnostics, we need to have a last time also it is called as polysomnography device, which is which we need uh, to put on the patient. uh, A lot of sensors on the patient from EEG to EOGs to respiratory channels. And where we see the video, uh, see what is happening during the night and then uh, evaluate and then uh, uh, the medication or therapy to the patient in the day so this is again a sleep-related breathing disorders third could be a parasomias where we see the patient is moving during the night uh, for example a lot of children who sleepwalking must have seen it uh small children so there we say no no he's just walking he's, there is no problem and i just uh, read it somewhere in the there was a news actually recently that in Singapore there was a uh, boy went to Singapore recently and during the night actually he uh, came to the balcony and fell down. And then we uh, and the parents were really worried what happened because they and then they spoke to Singapore police because they, he, this guy went there and then uh, he was a 20 year old child actually. So, and this, uh, when they saw this uh, video footage of that uh, particular uh, area, they could see actually this, this patient, this boy was actually sleepwalking and he sat on the balcony uh, wall and then fell down and he died. This is recent news, actually. This is very, very alarming. Very alarming. And this was, and they knew it actually, he does sleepwalking actually. And then they told the police. Because police was because they were actually really thinking that because he went with his friends and then they were thinking that somebody did some mischief, but it was not so it was a case of sleep uh, walking, it's a case of parasomnias. So in this case particular case also you need to do diagnostic PSG again polysomnography. But But with uh, external, uh, some extended EG montage means you need to have more leads, need to put on the legs, uh, put on the uh, limb leads so that they can do, they will do the uh, hand movements also. And then you need to have a camera also along with it because you need to see the movements. You need to, it's very important sometimes. For example, in sleep-related breathing disorders, which I am coming back, maybe camera is not that important because you are merely looking at obstruction levels, which you will able to see from the waveforms. But during parasomnias, you need to have a camera. It's very important because you need to look at the movements also along with your waveforms. And you need to synchronize, correlate it. So that's, so uh, so so this is, again, with the camera is important. Now coming to, for example, I told you central disorders, of hypersomnolence, which is a case of, for example, narcolepsy or cataplexy, which is again a kind of a disease where I told you uh, during the day also patient is again uh, sleeping for whole day and in the night also is sleeping. So then this is, this is, so this is again will be done through PSG only, but this is, this will be done in the night, whole night PSG. And then also in the day, you need to have one test which is called as multiple sleep latency test. So what will happen? You de- do a full night ESG. And after that, once the patient wakes up, you tell him to uh, uh, not to sleep again for one and a half hours to two hours. And then again put some sensors, uh, only EG sensors, because we know that this patient is not a case of uh, obstructive sleep apnea or sleep-lating breathing disorders. So he has some issues because we have already diagnosed through PSG all night, and we could see that he doesn't have much apneas or obstructions. So, and then we need to do this MSLT because he's still feeling sleepy. So, then we do MSLT for five, for whole day. It is a test for around eight to nine hours again in a day. Uh, what you do in this test is basically you tell the patient to sleep uh, uh, again. Uh, and then you see in the test if he's sleeping within say for example within 20 minutes uh, we need to look at within twenty. he is sleeping within 20 minutes if he sleeps well within 20 minutes then you continue this test again uh, you continue this test for again for more than uh, 15 minutes more so 20 minutes plus 15 minutes 35 minutes so this is uh, uh, 35 minutes but what i what we are looking at we are looking at ram stage in this particular case because this patient is going into ram stages um, very fast so, this, so if he has gone into REM stage, uh, then mm, we know that it is, we will uh, wake him up. We will again tell him to wake for another two hours. Then we will put again. So, this cycle will continue for four four to five cycles. But if we get two REM cycles, if we get two REM cycles, then it's, it's a confirmatory. It's not a confirmatory. It's an indication of that he is a, uh, a, a patient of narcolepsy. And obviously, we need to have a camera along with it because sometimes this happens because narcolepsy comes with a disease which is called as cataplexy, which is basically cataplexy is when you're, uh, it's basically uh, sleep is mimicking into the wake stage. That is, sleeping is going into wake stage. So what is happening? This is a tonic. Patient is like, uh, sometimes patient is, talking to someone is laughing and this is his fell down uh, he was talking to someone he, he he heard a joke and and he started laughing and his he was felt atonic and then went to sleep he fell down and went to sleep so it's a it's a slight differentiation from narcolepsy but it's a it's a condition called cataplexy so we also need to look at whether it's a cataplexy or narcolepsy And uh, for this, we need to do this MSLT test. I'm not going into that clinical details because uh, this will take a lot of time otherwise. Test for now, for I told you um, PLMD, that is movement disorders, periodic leg movement disorders come into movement disorders. So again, for that, you know, what will happen? It's not because of obstruction. Pa- patient is getting excessive daytime sleepiness, or because of not of because of narcolepsy, but because his legs are moving whole night. You must have seen, uh, for example, my sister. She is, you know, she moves legs a lot. So I always tell, why are you moving legs always a lot, and especially you are sleeping. So what is happening with these patients is they are, because of they are moving their legs a lot in the night they are they are getting aroused you know because they are because they are not sleeping in going into deep sleep because of this and still feeling lethargic during the day so we also need to uh, do this test this is called as PLMD periodic limb movement disorders uh, uh, or a restless leg syndrome. For restless leg syndrome, restless leg syndrome is happening during the day, uh, while PLMD happens during the night. Periodic leg movement disorders happening during the night. So, for restless leg syndrome, we do not need to be, to do the PSG, but we will still look for PLMDs. For that, we have to do PSG again, polysomnography test, uh, and then confirm whether he is, uh, for example, if it is more than 15 times per hour uh in adults then it will be called as plmd and for children it will if it is more than five per hours he is moving legs five per hours then it will be called as plmd and again the doctor or sleep medicine specialist will prescribe uh the medications for example he may give ferritin or iron whatever uh, is needed he will give him and then uh, he will be treated accordingly similarly for other neurological sleep dis- disorders they will do a, a polysomnography test and then um, uh, this will. Be- So one more important thing is uh, once you do this test, obviously therapy is important, which will come to the uh, next point.
0: Yes, yes, I think it's important because, and I'm glad you didn't go too technical because this is for everybody to understand and just give them direction on where to go, what to do. So, if you could just give us an overview now of therapeutics. So, once you've tested appropriately and you know which of these areas somebody's having challenges with, what is the next step for them?
1: Yeah, for example, for for sleep-related breathing disorders, this is the most prevalent, uh, obstructive sleep apnea is the most prevalent disorders, for example, out of all these. So if you, uh, for example, if you diagnose this, uh, that patient has a OSA now, uh, more than 15 or more than five with uh, daytime symptoms, then obviously you need to be treated. uh, So depending on the you know you have two things one is anatomy uh, of the face why because ultimately we need to look at why the air is not going to the patient so could uh, so there could be uh, because of nose because of nasal septum deviation because of polyps because of uh, adenoids or tonsils so you need to look at these things so uh, uh, and and you need to put a uh, what First, what will the uh, doctor do? He will try to m- prescribe a CPAP, which is continuous positive airway pressure, which is which will be, uh, he will tell him to, uh, actually, first he will treat, uh, he will put a CPAP itself in the sleep lab uh, itself, where the patient come for diagnostic study. Uh, either he can do a split night, means half a night he will do the diagnostics, and uh, because then he has a lot of obstructions, uh, which is more than 20 times in whatever half at uh, night and then he will put a uh, therapy de- uh, CPAP and then see if the uh, obstructions are going away. Or what he will do, he will put full night diagnostic study. Uh, sometimes a lot of doctors will do full night diagnostic study because what will happen, uh, the obstructions will happen during RAM stage mostly, during RAM stage and supine. And RAM, generally rapid eye movement comes early in the morning. So because if you must have seen that when we're trying to dream, so it is dreams are coming generally in the morning time. So the REM is a stage where we generally dream a lot. So uh, so he will do a full night diagnostic study and second night he will put a uh, titration, uh, that is CPAP. Our What is our aim? Uh, if there is an obstruction, our aim is to, basically if you, if you ask me in a layman language, the pipe, for example, a windpipe is getting collapsed during the night, whole night, uh, uh, many number of times. So what we need to do is, we need to open that windpipe. That's it. Or we need to open that air. So need, we need to put some, uh, we need to some give some pressure, uh, force some pressure through air, uh, some air uh, and needs to get this open. So they, the CPAP does the same thing. It gives a continuous positive air pressure and try to uh, open the airway when it is getting closed. So this is, this now this uh, technician or doctor does a titration study on a patient and see where this patient is getting into going into deep sleep and he's not getting the apneas or uh, he's not getting the obstruction, in layman language or he's not getting any apneas and and when is this airway is completely open and when he's getting the RAM stage also. So these three things will he will see. He's going to deep sleep is getting the REM stage, and he is not getting apneas and there will be a kind of a pressure uh, which patient is comfortable now and he will actually the patient will feel very comfortable during the when he will get up after the titration study I have seen it personally the patient will say uh, you know I have never slept this kind of I have never slept in so many years this kind of sleep, which is because of this uh, titration study, and then whatever pressure he uh, was comfortable at, and whatever apneas were eliminated or uh, REM sleep had come, the doctor will prescribe the same pressure for whole uh, whatever life. He has to put in a CPAP uh, unit with a mask, and he will be really comfortable. So this is one uh, for uh, sleep letting this breathing disorders. But if he still not comfortable, because uh, you know, obstruction can be because of a lot of things. So then the role of uh, ENT will also come into picture because what will happen, they will do it. Uh, DICE, the, this is drug-induced sleep endoscopy. So which they will do is they will put a patient on sleep and then they will put an endoscope. It could be a flexible endoscope and they will see where this... Uh, uh, obstructions are happening because he could, could not tolerate CPAP. Ultimately, he was not, uh, he, the CPAP didn't help him. So then, uh, still there is a problem, but so so they will see where are the obstructions. So, uh, and then, for example, if there is an obstruction uh, so they uh, because of large tongue, so it is not helping, still the CPAP is still not helping. So what ENT will do, they will probably cut the tongue piece so that the ultimate is, aim is to get the airway open. So then the ENT will come into picture and then do the surgery, uh, kind of a surgery, which will help to get this open air, open air, It can be P and a lot of technical things, which will again not go into details. Uh, but then it, this this will come into. And other thing is, then there are, um, uh, for example, uh, oral appliances also come into picture, oral mandibular devices, where, you know, for example, your tongue is falling back in the night and you are not able to breathe because of this so you need to put a some oral device where your mandible will be where your jaw low jaw will be put forward the whole night and your airway will be open so depending on the need uh, this this will be you know uh, uh, modality will be changed so however cpap uh, is a still a gold standard but uh, because ultimately opening airway by giving a pressure airway pressure is air pressure is still easy uh, because a surgery still, you know, patient will not go for it, would not love to go for a surgery. But yes, in some patients where they are not able to go with the CPAP, th- these are the other indications oh, one is surgery, and other is uh, oral appliances. Uh, the other thing which I can think is, for example, in case of uh, narcolepsy, then there is no need for therapy uh, because this is a case of another case of excessive daytime sleepiness. Then obviously you need to get this. He doesn't have a problem with obstructive airway. He has a problem with uh, some some other neurological issues because of he's, not, he's sleeping too long. So... Uh, so then the doctor will prescribe some medications to him so that he is getting, uh, he's waken up during the, he's he's still able to work during the, so which will not again go to the, which medication, but neurology, uh, neurology, this neurologist will give the medications accordingly. Then the CPAP will or other appliances will not come into picture. Similarly for PLMD, I told you periodic leg movement disorders, he will give iron or Or some kind of medications. Again, this therapy will uh, uh, will not or equipment will not come into picture. Uh, Perfect,
0: Pankaj. I think that took us already. I found that. It was, uh, there's so much information we packed into a little time. And of course, if somebody wants to get even more information, they could go to specialists like yourself. Do you have a website where you put out information or anywhere that somebody who's interested to know more of the technical aspects can go and learn from?
1: So, you know, if there is a, uh, they need to go to the particular sleep specialist. Actually, Uh, they need to look at, uh, uh, as we told, we discussed last time also, they need to look at particular sleep specialist because ultimately probably is not. functioning well this patient is not functioning well during the day is feeling lethargic or excessive daytime sleepiness so he, he needs to go to the uh, maybe to gp first and then general practitioner because he doesn't know the patient doesn't know what is his issue so he will go to his own gp and gp will again guide him to the particular sleep specialist knowing um, uh, what could be the issue so he will guide him either to neurologist or pulmonologist or psychiatrist whatever and then they will treat him accordingly so that is the best way, I guess.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Pankaj. And I know we are almost out of time, but anything final words you would like to share about this before we end the show?
1: Yes, I would love to say that if my, this is my personal feeling that um, uh, that whatever problems or disease what we have, according to me, is happening because of sleep. Uh, because if you are not sleeping well, your daytime Functioning is not happening, so you are not feeling good. You are feeling lethargic, and and lot of uh, diseases are, according to because hypertension comes because you are not sleeping. Hypertension will always come into picture. Your uh, lot of other issues, pulmonary uh, hypertension will come into picture. Then your kidney can also uh, can come create some issues. So sleep is very very important in men's life, in people's life. And uh, so sleep hygiene is also very important, according to me. So uh, sleep hygiene is one aspect which we need to look into. Sleep on time, Uh, we always, you know, uh, always from the childhood we are learning that early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy and wise. So we should follow this. That's very important, according to me. So that's a uh, end note I would like to say that we should follow sleep hygiene. Uh, and sleep on time, wake up on time uh, and then you will be actually uh, healthy and uh, your mind will be healthy, your body will be healthy.
0: Totally agree with you that sleep is such a big connection and I think you are so right also that a lot of us Don't focus on sleep hygiene. Just this morning, I was having a conversation with somebody. He said he takes a nap from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. And then he watches television and he's on his sofa till about 1 a.m. And then he goes to bed. And these are such simple things that we can do, which are so powerful in all health. But thank you again for coming, obliging me with this conversation. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I'm sure we all learned a lot today.
1: Thank you, Deepa, very much. Uh, It's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, would love to have more podcasts with you always. (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: In a world where there are always polar extremes between systems and beliefs, I've strongly started to believe that appreciating and respecting every practitioner, irrespective of whether I agree with their views or not, I truly feel that sleep can be divided into three categories. The first is that you have great sleep. The second is when you may not have a sleep disorder, but the quality of your sleep is compromised due to various root causes. This area is my specialty and you can look forward to my book by HarperCollins in December 2023. The third category is those who need diagnosis of sleep disorder by a sleep specialist. I believe there is a space for several kinds of practitioners and there should not be any ego so that we can best support anyone struggling with sleep. After all, ultimately everyone's goal is the same which is to make somebody feel better. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions on whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.